1: Five,
2: five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. Zero. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host Brian Tarvin, <clears throat> joined with co-host Jonathan Meeklow tonight. We break down Week Five of the college football season, as well as a great, exciting day in Week Four of the NFL. I just wish they they were together. Like I could, it gets confusing trying to remember which week is. Is what, but you always have to hit minus one of college to get to the NFL. So some great, exciting games here in the NFL today. We've got a lot to talk about on that front as well as college football. is It was kind of an exciting um, day, or excuse me, an exciting night getting into the the night games last night. And I know Jonathan's a happy man His, his nose came from behind, and I know he wasn't expecting that one to come all the way from behind a couple touchdowns in the last few minutes to win on the road. Let's see what kind of momentum that's going to do. Notre Dame with a huge statement win. It wasn't just a win. It was a statement win. So the question is, is Notre Dame really that good? It's the same team that played Vanderbilt within a touchdown. Or is Stanford a little not – or maybe not that good where they let down from that big Oregon win – having to travel all the way from Eugene back to Stanford, back to South Bend, Indiana. It's still early, I mean, almost too early to tell, but I will say this about Notre Dame. They're a very physical bunch. And Given the fact that they have a good head coach, they play defense, they can score some points. It's just exciting to see what they can do. And, Jonathan, we'll talk about this and when Quinn comes on in a little while. Virginia Tech – is at home this weekend against Notre Dame. So we'll talk about some of these matchups that happened. And just to give you a map for tonight, really, we're going we're gonna to talk some college football to get started. We're going to sneak on into the NFL. These games are wrapping up right now for the afternoon. And then we're going to hit some baseball. And like I said, I don't know, Jonathan, if you read the introduction or uh, the description of the show, there's nobody that I know, and I know a lot of people, and I've known baseball a long time that knows baseball quite like you do, so you're like an encyclopedia for baseball, not taking away anything from your football, because you're real good at that too, but baseball, man, you just seem like you're an encyclopedia of all this, and tell me if I'm wrong, Jonathan, you predicted this for the Braves, remember last year when I was complaining about how bad they were, you said give them a couple years, and you said this team is going to be a contender, and they're a year early, I guess, but you did predict that, right?
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I, I love what the Braves were doing, um, looking at their farm system, the way they were stacking talent and developing talent. Um, you know, guys that you're seeing now, like Acuna and Albies. And Swanson hasn't been great, but he's been good. Uh, and obviously holding on to Freddie Freeman and holding on to Julio Torano, and everybody kept telling you guys to trade him. Uh, and then looking at the pitching coming up, guys uh, like Fulton, uh, Fulton, uh, Fulton, whatever, Mike F, uh, Newcomb, yeah. Bryce Wilson, <laughs> Tookie Toussaint. You know, I mean, what they got from Annabelle Sanchez makes no sense to me. I'm still waiting for the shoe to drop on that one. Um, you know, I mean, that, the, this Braves team reminds me a whole heck of a lot of the 2008 Rays team. Minus the bullpen. That Braves bullpen was absolutely dominant. The Braves bullpen Man. is a little up and down, just like everybody in the National League. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm so excited uh, that the Braves won their division, um, that they're in the playoffs. You know, I mean, it's, it's great to see it, especially when you see a team trying to do it. I, I hate to say it, it's the right way, but it is. They, oh, they, try, they, they decided, screw it, we're, we're going to stop spending money on older free agents. You know, and what we're going to do is we're going to reinvest in our farm and do a youth build. And youth builds last longer. They give you runs. This is how the Braves became the Braves in the 90s. They, they didn't go out and buy everybody. You grew guys like Smokes and Glavin and Andrew and Chipper Jones. Ron. You, know, you, you developed that core, and you got in on guys when they were young, and you saw what happened. And I think the Braves are in a, a situation that is very similar to what the Rays had, where the Rays had a window from 2008 to 2013 where they were very competitive, made the playoffs multiple times, won the division, uh, you know, made a World Series. And the Braves are they're right there in that thicket right now, and it, it's phenomenal to see. I love it.
2: Well, tomorrow it looks like we're going to have, and maybe I'm wrong, two playoff play-in games, really. You have a – yep two ties we have the NL West and the NL Central both tied on the final day you I mean you play 162 games Jonathan you have two of the most competitive divisions um, tied like that and I wouldn't when I say competitive I don't mean the best cuz we know where that the AL East is is the best division but this is kind of a competitive thing the Cubs and the Brewers and it's just going to be interesting to see who wins it'll be hosted in LA and in Chicago but You know, as a Braves fan, I'm excited the way they finished the year. They started playing a lot better. But I like this team being on the road. You don't want to ever be on the road, really. But if any team's equipped to handle it, I think, maybe it's good, Jonathan, their first playoff series while these guys really, they're on the road. Because don't you think it'd be a little pressure being at home in front of your fans playing that? Maybe it's not. you don't have the jitters as much being on the road. Maybe you're too young and dumb to – to really understand. I, I just think it's a good thing that they're going to be on the road. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you
0: know, it's, it, I I think there is something to that, um, especially considering Atlanta's been much better on the road this year than they have been at home. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously nobody really wants to go to Colorado, uh, you know, knowing that it, it can be a hitter's park, but the Braves can hang with them. Um, you know, I, I it's weird, you know, you talk about there being 162 games to decide, uh, you know, who's in the playoffs and whatnot, and the, for some reason, Major League Baseball, even though the Cubs and the Brewers are tied and the Rockies and the Dodgers are tied, the, they decide home field for that one-game playoff based off the head-to-head record because you play your division opponents 19 times. Every other sport says, okay, well, there's two teams inside. A team A beat team B more times than the other, so they get the bump. And baseball is like, nah, it's game 163. Why not screw it? You know, those 19 games really don't mean anything. Uh, it just it, it baffles me because <laughs> if you go by that, then it should be the Braves traveling to the Dodgers, and the, Cubs ho- uh, the Brewers hosting the Rockies in the playoff game. Uh, but Major League Baseball just decides for some odd reason that they want that extra game. Um, you know, it, it, it's whatever. It dri- it, it's one of the things that baseball does that just drives me insane.
2: And, you know, one thing about this is I don't think people talk about, hey, is this extra game like this. And remember, this is not the wild card. This is a play-in game, really a tiebreaker to see. They can kind of screw up your pitching rotation and all of a sudden the Braves are playing one of these teams with their starters rested, really, with their ace, if you want to call it that, going in game one, where the, the Dodgers may be pitching their third pitcher to start game one. So that's a big deal in a five-game series, isn't it? That could be a huge deal. Uh,
0: oh, it's me- – I mean, luckily you're not in a situation that the Rays were in and. 2013, where they had to have a one-game, they had to win the last game of the season, and then they had to win a one-game playoff, and then they had to win a wild card, and then go to a series. I mean, I remember that was just a murderer's row. By the time we got to the Red Sox, we were house, because you're throwing, you're trying to, you're throwing out everything you've got every night. Um, where you know the one-game playoff already puts that the winner of that game a pitcher behind. Like you said, you already lose your ace, and um, in, in theory. So now you've got to go. I mean, you got to hope it lines up correctly to where the dot. You know, the Dodgers are sitting there. I haven't looked, uh, to be honest with you. But you know, the Dodgers have got to sit there and hope that they have Kershaw for this. Or you know, are we going to have Kershaw for the playoffs? Do we, you know, do we pick one or the other? How does this go? Uh, and that's where you are in the benefit of the uh, of of having the opportunity of knowing that you're in the playoffs no matter what, whether you win or lose tomorrow. It's just depending on, you know, do you get to hope, you know, for the Cubs. Uh, and the Brewers, do you get to host your series? Uh, and for, you know, Rocky's Dodgers, obviously, do you get to host your series because the Braves didn't win today? Um, I, it's, it, it, it's, it's very troubling for those teams, and that's why a team like Atlanta uh, has a benefit over these other four teams because these other four teams have to worry about tomorrow, and then two of them have to worry about the next game, right? And, you know, you, you look at somebody mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Colorado. If they win at LA, they got to travel back home, and Atlanta gets to come in with you know some time off. Um, or they, you know, whereas if you look at a team like uh, you know the Cubs and the Brewers, because they're so close together, it doesn't really matter, and because they get to host the next round. But if you look at a team like the Rockies, who could have to go to LA, win that game, and then have to travel to Milwaukee, and you know, uh, and win that game. I mean, it's just uh, or lose the Dodgers, and then they have to go to Milwaukee or Chicago. It's just a mess. Uh, it, it, it's very troubling. Whoever loses that NL West uh, tiebreaker game, I think is going to lose the playoff, is going to lose the wild card game. And then, I, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. That's You know, I, I really yeah. want a Cubs Brewers five game series. And personally, I want a Rockies Braves series so bad because those two teams nobody else believed in. And I sat there all this year going, they've got it. They've got it. It's a bunch of young pitchers, but they've got it. You know, I mean, the Rockies last year, all of these pitchers this year were young last year, and we saw how they faded down the backstretch, and now those guys look better. I mean, it's, this is fun. This is what I want from baseball, considering the American mm-hmm. League playoffs have been decided for two weeks. We already know where the games are going to be, who's playing who, who's pitching who. In all honesty, look, Houston won last year. Nobody likes the Yankees and the Red Sox outside of Yankees and Red Sox fans. Um, and then, like, you know, the Indians, you kind of just laugh at because they're cursed. In Oakland, it's been fun. But at some point that shoe's got to drop because you don't have, you don't have an ace on your staff. you don't even have a number two. Maybe you have a number three.
2: Yeah. Well we'll save our predictions here for the end of the show. We'll so get them ready, get your playoff predictions ready. Who's going to represent the National League in the, in the uh, World Series? Who's going to represent the American League? And one thing about baseball, Jonathan will tell you, it's never as it seems. You can sit and have the best team in baseball. The Red Sox could, and they can drop it in a five-game series. Somebody, one of the favorites, is going to lose a five-game series. There's no doubt about it. We'll just figure out which one it is. But let's get into college football, what we do best. Last night, yesterday, big week. Um, Jonathan, I think some of this is starting to take shape a little bit of the playoff. We kind of see the teams that are, are for real. We're seeing teams that, maybe aren't for real, and we're seeing teams like Auburn is, okay, when he, who who are you? What's your identity going to be? Are you really this crappy team that we've seen play a couple of weeks? Or are you are you that regularly coach Gus Malzahn team that waits till October to go? I think it's a team that I really don't think they have a clue what their identity is, but we won't talk about Auburn to start this show off. But I want to give you an example of, what I'm talking about, about five, four weeks, five weeks after the season gets going, I still have some questions about who these teams are. Not everyone, but there's a couple of key players that could be, um, break, you know, just breaking people's season up at the end of the year. Are they good enough to do that? But let's start off uh, in the ACC last night or yesterday. Clemson, you know, what's funny, Jonathan Bryant, gets, he transfers, he leaves. The worst thing happened for Syracuse. Their starting quarterback goes down in the, in the first half. Like Clemson, you know, like true champions do. They find a way to win. 27-23, it was ugly. Does this game impress you about Clemson, or is this like, uh, oh, my God, they, they, there's some holes in this team, but do they have the schedule, Jonathan, to really make it matter, really? Is somebody on this schedule good enough to challenge Clemson to knock them out, or are they going to go undefeated? Maybe the ACC is not what it was, and they're going to sneak into the playoffs because of their name. What do you think?
0: Uh, Yeah, Syracuse is a good team. As much as it pains me to say that because of the way they manhandled my team, but that's a a good ball club, and that's what we saw yesterday. There's a reason why I had them ranked last week and have them ranked again this week. It's a good team. Their defense is much improved, and offensively they've – They've got an identity, and it frustrates Brent Venables to no end. Uh, I mean, he was he was shades of angry yesterday that you usually don't see from him outside of well, Jimbo Fisher games. Um, it's funny, you know. Obviously, Kelly Bryant transferring <laughs> and the way it went about it, you know. And I, you know, I, I came at it with, okay, you're leaving, that's cool, but the way you're leaving is kind of ugly. Uh, you know, it's a slap in the face. Dude, Trevor Lawrence has outplayed you. Deal with it. Chase Bryce came in after Lawrence got hurt. And I hope Lawrence's injury doesn't knock him out for too long. We'll probably find out this week. But Chase Bryce came in. Chase Bryce is somebody that I've kept my eye on for a while. Uh, I, you know, I, I had a buddy who was part of the Michigan program, um, part of their scouting department, and, he, you know, he told me, you know, Bryce's senior year, whenever that was, I think it was 2015, um, I found a quarterback, this kid's legit, this kid's good, and nobody's really talking about him on the circuit. You know, he's going to get offers, he's going to go somewhere big, but nobody's talking about how this guy could be a a program elevator. And we saw yesterday, Chase Bryce played well in that second half and made a great throw on fourth down to keep, um, you know, the undefeated um, dream alive. You know, for Clemson at this point, looking at their schedule, they're, they've got two games in all reality left that I look at and go, eh, you know, maybe. And that's the home game against North Carolina State. They're coming off a bye for that. And then they go to Boston College, which always seems to be a tricky uh, place for teams to go, uh, especially somebody like a Clemson or a Florida State or a Miami, Virginia Tech, you know, one of the bigger schools in the ACC. Boston College always seems to get people fit. Um, you know, I honestly, I mean, look, I like Duke and I like South Carolina. I don't think they're going to give them too much of a fight, especially considering the games were in Death Valley. As much as I love my team and I'm going to be in attendance for that game, you know, I don't think we stand a punter's chance unless, you know, all of Clemson's quarterbacks get knocked out for the game. I mean, but Clemson has holes. I mean, this secondary does not look great. Offensively, they're still struggling a little bit. You know, Travis, NTA everybody wants to talk about how good this running back is and He's still kind of iffy. He's not a game changer. He's not like a C.J. Spiller um, or even a Wayne Gallman was to Clemson. And, obviously, they're not completely opened up offensively because Trevor Lawrence is a true freshman and Chase Bryant was a third stringer until this week. So, I think we'll see more as time comes along, but I'm with you. Clemson's got some problems, and if they lose a game, they might not make the playoffs depending on what other teams do.
2: Yeah. Well, Jonathan, what would you have done yesterday – at halftime, here comes Kelly Bryant on a motorcycle, pulls up to the stadium, has a cigarette in his mouth, walks in there, puts his helmet on, comes out and wins. What would the crowd have done if Kelly Bryant had walked on that field at halftime? Do you think it would have been mixed emotion? Like, oh, hell no, you're not coming back. Because Davos seems like he wanted him back. Like, he said something after the game, yeah, we'd welcome him back. But why would you welcome this kid, this kid back after he quit you? Um I, th- I don't know. That, that People were talking about that yesterday, and I thought it was would have been funny if it had came back into the game on the team and won it. Would that show Davo's desperate and he'd do anything, or would it? But Because here's the deal, Jonathan. Tell me if I'm wrong, Quinn's on the line. Davo did a hell of a job by doing this to give the guy a chance to leave if he wanted to. I'll, I'll give kudos to Davo. People say he wasn't looking out for his team by doing that. He shouldn't have done it. That is why I like Davo now prior to them, what I used to is because he looked out for this. He knew his team could struggle, but he gave the guy the position, gave Kelly Bryant an opportunity because this was it for him. Don't you agree, Jonathan, that Davo was in the right by doing it the way he did? I respect that.
0: I do respect Davo for that. Not only did, you know, he, he let Kelly Bryant know, hey, I mean, we've made a decision. Here's your options. And you know, did Kelly Bryant handle it the best way? Probably not. Uh, Did you know we we now know that Davo told Kelly Bryant, "Look, I will not play you for the rest of the season. If you want, if you know, you can just sit on the roster. You don't have to play." Um, And you know, Kelly was like, "Well, I don't know. I mean, he's still enrolled in school. He's a you know, and there's pride that comes into this, and quarterbacks are prideful and, and and have their egos. You know, and Kelly Bryant's still enrolled at Clemson." I mean, he still has to go to class and graduate. Mm-hmm. So this is not out of the realm of of, of possibility. Uh, but I just don't see him doing it at this point. I think I, – honestly, I think he might have thought he burned a bridge with some of the things he said, and he's not sure how the reaction to the locker room will be if he walks back in there. But I do respect Dabo for the way he handled it, and there's a reason why kids want to go play for Dabo.
2: Mm-hmm. You know what? Kids make dumb decisions, sometimes tasty decisions, and – this is his future. I think he made the right decision by doing I mean, did he handle it the right way at times no some of the things he said, but looking out for him, he's only got one year left. Where Jalen Hurts, he could have he can stay and he still has another year left if he decides to transfer. Uh, Quinn, what did you think of Dabo doing that? Do you think I, that was the right decision?
1: Yeah, I think he did the right thing for him. I've always liked that, although I I think he's a good guy, and I think he's just following what he is as he a is. person. I think I think he well, I'm hater, more about Quinn. the catch I'm a
2: hater. And he... See, I'm a hater, Quinn, and and I hated him because he beat my team, and that's wrong. I shouldn't be like that, but hey, I'll admit it right now to you: I was a hater. And uh, I've grown to like Dabo a little bit more and more. I I mean, the decision he made to do that. But anyway, Clemson escapes by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. And uh, Jason, I'll bring you on in a minute. I think I'm hearing some static from your phone. No, it's not Jason's phone. Let me see if it's Quinn's phone real quick. No, I think it is. I'll bring you both back on right now. So, guys, if you're not talking – just make sure you're on mute, and then you'll come back when I call your name. So that'll make it easier. Um, impressive win yesterday from West Virginia going on the road, beating Texas Tech 42-34. to Jonathan, they were in control of that game right from the start. They did give up some points in the second half, got outscored 24-7. to but is West Virginia that sleeper team, really, that nobody's talking about They can come out of the Big 12 and make the playoff? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I think they are. What do you think?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of teams, a lot of teams, a lot of people at the beginning of the season were giving West Virginia some love, and there was a little bit of hype around them. Um, obviously returning uh, Will Greer and David Sills, and you know, everybody believed in the offense. Um, and we saw yesterday, I mean, they were up 35-10 at halftime and just hit cruise control. You know, luckily, the pick six with three minutes left to ice the game because uh, Tech found some mojo in the second half with uh, their uh, backup quarterback. They're a sleeper. Okay. I, I, the, the issue with West Virginia is if you look at their schedule, it's extremely backloaded. I mean, this is a team that could easily get to 7-0. Uh, and, oh, and then they have to go to Texas. They're home for TCU at Oklahoma State, home for Oklahoma in, in November. I mean, that, that's a rough stretch. Um, you know, are they the second-best team in the Big 12 right now? Without a doubt. W- without a doubt, they are. And I would have loved to have seen their game against North Carolina State uh, to, to really get a, a better feel for them. But uh, without a doubt, West Virginia is the second-best team in the Big 12. Could they sneak in? Of course. It's going to be tough, though, because this is a team that does not have a lot of depth. That's always been West Virginia's issue, is that their front-line starters are good, above average, sometimes even great in the case of guys like Greer and Sill, But the guys behind them, not so much. And when we saw last year after Greer got hurt, it was over. They just packed it in because they knew the backup quarterback couldn't carry him.
2: Jason Humphrey, are you with us right now? Yes. Yeah, who's the second-best second team? Is it... Is it West Virginia, like Jonathan said, or is it Texas? Is Texas finally back with a big 19-14 to win against Kansas State? Everybody's saying Texas is back. Are they the second-best team? No, I, I
3: would have put West Virginia I like, real Greer, over um, the
2: Shane kid from yeah. Texas. So. Me too. I'm just trying to get Jonathan wound up. Uh, Texas with a big <laughs> win on the road, but – Here's the deal. Texas is about to play Oklahoma. They're about to get their panties pulled down and spanked in Dallas. So watch out. I'm telling you, Texas is back until they're not back. Yes, I mean, I just, Texas is the most overrated love team in the world, it seems like. They could lose five games in a row and win, and all of a sudden they're back. And I know Justin Porterfield, I don't know if he's listening or not, but he can say what he wants. He wanted everybody on that staff fired after Maryland and through the first three weeks of the season. I've got it. And I can go back if I could pull his post up, Jonathan. I'll tell you, but he wanted them all fired. And I think after Oklahoma whips their ass this weekend, it's going to be back to the chopping block again for uh, Tom Herman. But let's move on to the SEC. But first, let me let me let me apologize. UCF beat Pittsburgh 45 to 14. I think Central Florida is a top 10 team, and I know their schedule's not what everybody else's is, but they prove year in, year out. Last year, they went undefeated. (laughs) This year, they're 4-0, so I need to apologize to all the Central Florida fans. You are the true national champions of 2017. We're declaring you that on this show tonight. You finally came over to the
0: the bright side.
2: I watched them play, actually, and went back and watched it. Those guys are physical. They're fast. They're athletic. I mean, they've got it all. And I bet Scott Frost is sitting there scratching his head, like, "What in the world did I do? Why did I leave what I built here in Central Florida to go to Nebraska, where I'm 0-4 and I'm the laughing stock of college football?" Speaking of laughing stock of college football, the Tennessee Volunteers played Georgia last night in Athens, and they lost 38-12. And I just need to know if we're buying or selling. I don't know if y'all heard Pruitt's speech after the game, his press conference. He teared up. He was emotional, he said. His team had some fight in them. Um, Jonathan, forget this year. Is Jeremy Pruitt the right coach at Tennessee for this job? They're two and three. They look awful. I mean, yeah, they did fight back with Georgia's third and fourth string out there. They did score a couple points. But I just, when I look at him talk, when I look at him, he doesn't look like a head coach to me that's going to be able to beat Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and those guys. Tell me about Tennessee real quick. You got thirty seconds. Tennessee is he the right coach for the job? What do you think for him the rest of the year?
0: I, it's going to be a rough year. I mean, they're in a, a year zero rebuild, uh, like like nobody else right now outside of Nebraska and UCLA. Um, I, I I like what he's doing. I I have hope for him, but it's going to take a couple of recruiting classes for them to get back to scratching uh, at the doorstep of Georgia.
1: Quinn, I didn't
2: realize how – I mean, I thought Tennessee had talent on that team. I really did. And the last few years, it seemed like they had talent. Now, all of a sudden, they don't. Am I missing something here? Is this team, like Jonathan said, are they just in a complete rebuild mode? Because I missed it. I mean, I didn't project Tennessee to do well this year, but I thought they had enough talent on the team to be competitive at times and to get better as the year went on. But what am I missing, Quinn? Well, they're in a brutal of schedule right now. They do have some
1: talent, but it's a whole new coaching staff, new systems, and I don't think they might – I don't think they're as talented as maybe people thought. So I think Pruitt is the right guy. I think he'll get them back on track but it'll it'll just take some time. It's not like a Kirby smart situation where Georgia was loaded with talent, just Richard couldn't get the best out of them, and that's what Kirby's been able to do. Um, He (laughs) threw it in a whole different (laughs) different situation.
2: Sorry, this this computer's possessed sometimes. But, Jason, looking at Tennessee's (laughs) schedule, I need you to give me how many more wins they're going to get. Their next – Few games they got at Auburn on October 13th. They got a bye week this week. They go, they play Alabama in Neyland Stadium. Then they go to South Carolina. Uh, They play Charlotte. They play Kentucky, Missouri, and at Vanderbilt. So Tennessee right now is two and three. What do you think their final record is going to be? I
3: think, boy, I I think they get at and Vanderbilt on Vanderbilt hasn't looked impressive at times. Um, And those are the, if you're a Tennessee fan, you're looking forward to those two games because those two games are going to be the only two games that Tennessee might have the talent advantage.
2: I mean, that's a brutal schedule. You've already played West Virginia, the second team in the Big 12, you played Florida. Um, they're starting to play a lot better. You play Georgia, Auburn, Bama, South Carolina. God, I mean, it's just murderers row here for this team. Johnson and Quinn, I think I'm with Jason here, but I don't know if they'll beat Vanderbilt on the road. That's the problem. Unless they get better, Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt seems to have Tennessee's number. If they go three and nine here, I mean, is that the worst thing that could happen to Jeremy Pruitt right now? Because it's too early in the season to be questioning is he the right man for the job? You guys say in three and nine or four and eight, or do one of you see one bigger than that? More wins. Uh, I see three I think, and nine. I think Auburn is a winnable game for him. I think Auburn is a winnable game for him, honestly. After because bye of week. the offense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, coming off a bye week. Auburn goes to State. If Auburn loses that game in Starkville, watch out, guys. I'm telling you. I know Auburn. I know when they'll fold, they'll fold quick. But we'll talk about Tennessee later. We'll see if Jason's right. Um, We'll see. But the SEC is kind of tricky. Football is kind of tricky. You can get into November and weird things can happen. Tennessee could catch lightning in a bottle. I don't think it'll happen. Let's move on to Auburn-Southern Miss real quick. We won't spend long on this. 24-13, to 13, there's a monsoon, lightning delay, three-hour delay almost. Auburn squeaks out a 24-13 to 13 win. Defense played stellar. Uh, the offense still can't run the football, really, and can't pass protect. And Jonathan, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, September. I don't know why Gus Malzahn's teams cannot win in September. But uh, they struggle, and they struggle more and more in September. But the thing that concerns me the most about Auburn is they haven't gotten better in September. When they started and they played Washington and LSU, they looked a lot better than they do the last two games. I mean, is it something they can fix? Is it something they will fix? What do you think?
0: Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually asked uh, a couple of Auburn fans, about this during the Southern Miss game, I was like, you know, what do you? Because I wasn't watching the game. There was a lot of there was a lot going on, and that game was on my my uh, GameCast. Um, and the response I got was, no, there, I, I don't know if we can fix this. This looks really bad. The offensive line's no good. Stidham looks hesitant. You know, and I'm you know, and it's like, okay, well. How does Auburn have the number one defense and the number 82 offense? Like, that, that, that on its own is enough to drive you insane as an Auburn fan, considering you have an offensive-minded coach. <laughs> Consider an offensive wizard. It's a number 82 offense. Why has Stedham regressed? I mean, I get it. Maybe they just kind of sleptwalked and, and, and weren't really paying attention the last couple of weeks, but you can't afford to do that. Uh, you know, you, Auburn's got to come out, and you've got to punch people in the mouth and keep punching, keep punching. Um uh, you know, I, I think this I mean we saw it last year and we tend to see it like you said every year. I think there's things that can be fixed here. Mississippi State's not a great opponent to do that against because they have a great defense. Horrible offense, great defense. Um so you know, your offense really needs to get clicking, um uh, or you know, have been clicking to to really take advantage of of this spot. I you know, look, looking at it, I think you can get better. you know, the the, the sky isn't falling you know, the season's not over. You lost to a pretty good LSU team by one. Granted, the way you lost, it was horrible. And you beat the number two defense in the country in Washington, uh, who it seems to be looking a little better offensively each week. So, you know, I, I think it's just going to be take it time. Um, you know, we'll find out later on. Like you said, this week's a big test going to Starkville.
2: Yeah. Well, Quinn, uh, when I look at Auburn, one thing, you know, you see the offensive line struggles, and I think that can be fixed. But, One thing nobody's mentioning is the penalties. The penalties Auburn keeps getting themselves. They keep getting this struggling offense into first and long, second and long, third and long. And I think last night I saw a stat with their average down, on third down, they averaged third down and ten and a half, Quinn. And I think when you look at the most penalized team I've ever seen Auburn had, they had uh, 78 yards of penalties. And that's a light day. Nine penalties for 78. But it seems like these penalties are all coming on big plays and negating things. So, Quinn, you're an Auburn guy too. What is Gus going to have to do to fix this? Because you got to him, and you're ruining his career right now. And losing carry-on really hurt, carry-on Johnson. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it can be fixed right now. I'm more than a 9-3 and three team even if it does get fixed I don't know if there's enough talent up front to be able to beat some of the upper teams in the SEC right now It's going to come down
1: to the offensive line and that's all it's going to come down to is how much better can the offensive line get and I'm not sure at this point right now its I thought I think maybe they're dealing with injuries and guys are battling through injuries because they've looked worse each game. They looked better in the Washington game than they did against Southern Miss, and that's an issue.
2: Yep. Yeah, and so that's, pro- that's what I look at.
1: And so that's a huge issue right now is the offensive line. There, there are idiots in the fan base who are wanting to put this on Stidham and the those not this isn't Stidham at all. Yeah. This isn't even no. the running backs. This is the offensive line not creating enough time for the passing game, and not not having any holes for the running game. Our running backs are talented. It's just they have nowhere to go.
2: So. And Auburn fans are pretty dumb. Uh, like the way they analyze football, and they they're blaming it on Stidham. Like, oh, let's change the quarterback. That's not going to help you at all, buddy. Uh, you change a quarterback, we're going to be 10 times worse than we are now. But yeah, I think, Jason, what do you think over there being a, a neutral party like you and Jonathan are? What do you think about Auburn? Can they, they, they went up two in the poll to eight, which which surprised me. I dropped them to 14 in my poll until um, so they start playing better. Do you think this can be fixed to where they can be a serious well, yeah. contender going into November?
3: Yeah, it it can be fixed, but number one thing, you can fix the offensive line all you want, but if you're not going to fix the penalties, you can't be average in the third and ten and expect yeah. to win. It's, it's just very impossible to do. And if if you don't fix the penalties, you guys are going to be treading in mud all season.
2: You're right. That's it. That's what can be fixed. Yeah. I mean, if you can coach yeah. better and clean this up, Gus preaches every Saturday, oh, we're going to get better, we're going to fix these penalties, and you don't. So what are you doing, Gus, in practice? Are you sitting over there flopping your gums and chewing gum? Are you are you trying to develop these guys? I want to see it. We'll see you this weekend because Mississippi State is going to be a tough one. Um, I know we're going to get their best shot. Then we play Tennessee, and I think we get a bye week or something, or we play – Tennessee and then go to Ole Miss and then we get a bye week so guys the panel right here do you think Auburn will be 7-1 and one heading into November before they play Texas A&M Georgia and Bama Jonathan
0: oh buddy um, yeah why the not tough one yeah, I, I I I'll believe in Auburn until they break me at this point. I mean, you know, they they lost to LSU at this point. That seems like a yearly ritual. Um, you know, so I, I I'll keep backing them until they break me. But you know, and, until
2: then,
0: yeah. I, I I mean, you you have to trust it because I mean, Sims a good quarterback. And you know, they were able to fix the offensive line last year after it seemed to have it struggled early in the year. You know, Auburn. Mm-hmm creates running backs like nobody else, uh, you know, I mean, and you have the number one defense, and the number one defense can carry you so far.
2: So is Auburn the number one defense in what statistic? Is it overall defense?
0: Uh, S&P plus. So yeah. analytics. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're good, man. Uh, I love watching them play defense. And I think sometimes I, – I know we, Kevin, feel about – came undone. Real quick update, 42-42, Browns and Raiders right now. The Raiders! 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, 42-42, Raiders and Browns. Um, What a game. Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield putting on a show. I'm very excited. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But let's go on to a team that I need to apologize to, um, LSU. And ever since, The season started. They've been getting better and better every week, Quinn. Um, LSU tore Ole Miss apart. I know, yes, it's Ole Miss, but LSU sometimes has a history of struggling. But what I do see out out of LSU, Quinn, is that offensive line, that quarterback, the weapons are starting to get comfortable, and they're getting better and better every week. I think LSU, they host Georgia and Bama. I think this week they better watch out against Florida on the road. But I think LSU needs to be respected a little bit more. And I think I'm the one of the world's worst about it. I've always given Ed Orgeron hell, but he's done a hell of a job this year, Quinn, getting these guys where they are right now. What do you think?
1: Yeah, they're doing doing better than I thought they would. Yeah, they're playing really well. This is the best their offense, I think, has been in a, it, ever since they have Metzenberger, or whatever his name was, so Metzenberger, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I think I think they could give Georgia some trouble, and Georgia fans are really upset with how their offense did uh, against Tennessee. So I could see Georgia having struggling in that LSU game.
2: I think LSU could possibly yeah.
1: pull the upset.
2: Well, Jason, I mean, looking at LSU, I mean, how many times have you seen a quarterback for LSU throw about 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks? He ran for 96 yards. I mean, the guy had 400 yards total offense and four touchdowns. I think he's a straw that stirs the drink right now, and I didn't see him coming, Jason. I know your fiancé's a LSU fan. I'm sure she's happy. What do you think about LSU? Can they be a, a team to be reckoned with in November?
3: Yeah, yes, they can. Um, the the confidence from Joe Ball is, is the defense is the reason that this offense is moving. Um, one not turning over the ball, and he throws the ball very confidently, um, and he could throw the ball mm-hmm. really good down the field. Um, they might beat Joseph, but I still know if be about that Alabama game because Alabama
2: is looking really good. Well, Jonathan, you were right about Ed Orgeron, man. I got to give you some credit. You always told us he was a good coach. Watch out for LSU this year. Here they are.
0: What do you know? Coach O is since uh, as a head coach since uh, the Ole Miss days. He's what twenty-six and eight now. He's twenty and six at uh, LSU. I mean, look, guys. He was the right guy for the job. We all, we all. Well, at least I knew that from the jump. Um, I did. <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy because I can sit here and smile and just look at everybody like y'all stupid. <laughs> I told y'all I love this. I love and I'm. You know, I think LSU. I, I honestly thought next year would be their year. Uh, you know, give Burrow a year to kind of grow into this and give the defense a little chance. But the defense just consistently reloads, and Burrow has. Jumps right in and hasn't missed a beat. And the big thing is he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't turn over the ball. Um, you know th- this is this is excellent to see that LSU is, is, is able to pull this off right now. You get Georgia at home, you get Alabama at home. Georgia looks a lot like pre-Tua Alabama, uh, minus Blake. That Blake Sims that was really weird. Um, you know where. They're just methodical, and they're boring, and they just, they, they just crush you to death, but they like to do it slowly. Um, and, and LSU, I mean, as long as Burrow does not come down with a case of turnover-itis, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, this team, just they're so disciplined. They play so well. I'm very happy from what I see, considering this is a team that I fed. They have the schedule from hell. This could be a rough year. And now look at them, just continually just beating people down. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Go Tigers.
2: Well, let's let's go to Florida Mississippi State. I don't know what's happened to Mississippi State Quinn. Um, Thirteen to six, they lose to Florida at home. They haven't scored since the first quarter. A touchdown since the Kentucky game. The first quarter. What? I mean, this is surprising. Nick Fitzgerald, eleven to twenty six for ninety eight yards. What's going on in Starkville, Quinn? I just I don't understand why they're struggling so much. 163 yards of offense. Um, I don't know. Wow, that's.
1: But see, that's the thing. People people rave about coordinators who become head coaches, and people were raving about Moorhead and everything. And I was thinking, dude. He's going to Mississippi State. It's still Mississippi State. And I I didn't buy into I I didn't really buy into the Mississippi State hype. And so I mean it's shocking how bad their offense is doing considering they have Fitzgerald back and considering they have an offensive minded head coach. But I mean it doesn't really surprise mean that they are where they are because at the, the at the end of the day they're still Mississippi
2: State. So Jason, why is Mississippi State struggling so bad? They they can't move the ball. Um they
3: they were hot why? the first three games but as soon as they got on the to play the um the non-touchdown streak is the longest since Dan Morning's first year in Mississippi State.
2: But so why are they struggling on the offense?
3: Um, I have no there? idea. I didn't, I didn't really watch the
0: game. I was watching other games. Um, I'm going to show well, Jonathan, a hand to watch the game because I watched way too much of it.
2: Well, Jonathan, I going not think of this, and you just tell me what you think. I think Dan Mullen, that's his players, that's his offense, and I don't think Moorhead really runs the offense to their strengths, and they're just going to have to figure it out. Kind of like Malzahn, what he does in a way. He doesn't use his player strengths to, to run an offense, really, and this is Dan Mullen's team, really. I just think it's a bad fit right now Until Moorhead gets his players in That he wants to run the system I don't think Fitzgerald's going to be Starting quarterback much longer If they lose to Auburn I think you're going to see a, a change of quarterbacks
0: Alright So as somebody who watched pretty much The entirety of the second half of this garbage ass game I mean it was terrible Both teams, are, both, both teams look bad both, both defenses look Decent but it was more of an offensive inability that led to them looking better than they really are. And the issue with Nick Fitzgerald, <laughs> and it might be psychological, because you got to remember, he had a gruesome injury against Ole Miss.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, it takes a minute to come over that mentally. Nick Fitzgerald cannot throw on the run at all, period. If, he's, if he is not stationary, he cannot throw the football. It's bad. And the thing was, Florida stacked the box. Set rushers, you know, and, we're, and we're overloading, so there's always a free guy, so you'd have to move. And as he's, he can't throw on the move, I mean, that's what it is. It's nothing wrong with Moorhead at this point. It's Nick Fitzgerald that is becoming the issue. You know, I mean, this is the guy that I watched overthrow, underthrow, skip passes, miss 10 feet to the left, 10 feet. I mean, it was terrible. He looks horrible. And granted, Nick Fitzgerald was never proclaimed to be some great passer. All right, let, let's not get that twisted. You know, nobody ever said he was a good thrower of the football. Um, but, I mean, he just looks downright ho- and horrible. And there's a reason why. His only other FBS offer was Middle Tennessee State. He just can't throw the football. And there's nothing you can do with a quarterback who can't complete passes, who can't be accurate when he's on the move. They were talking, I mean, that's just a recipe they for They talking
2: Heisman for this guy. They were talking – some people were talking Heisman for this guy this year, possibly a Heisman candidate. No. You know,
0: and if he doesn't no, no. get hurting, his old Miss, maybe. Maybe. But this is not the Nick Fitzgerald of last year, and this Nick Fitzgerald can't run Moorhead's offense, and he can't run Mullen's offense right now. Like, this is, I mean, this is bad. The, the last play of the game, UF sent a delayed safety, well, the last offensive play of the game in Mississippi State. UF sent a delayed safety blip. This guy started running 10 yards away from the line of scrimmage, straight up the middle, was unblocked because it was a six man blitz against five blockers, and Fitzgerald didn't see it. I mean, this guy had a wide open pass. Uh, he was spotlighted. Everybody in the world saw this guy to come, and Nick Fitzgerald just missed him. You know, I mean, th- th- this, is, this is a Nick Fitzgerald issue. This is not a Moorhead issue. This is not a Mullen thing. He, he's got to figure it out because, this, I mean, I, it's painful to watch. You know when I when you saw Kentucky, you're like, okay, well they just sit on people, and they did that again this week. But when you watch it against Florida, I, it was it was appalling. I was a, I was mad at myself for watching that much of the game.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, if he's gonna have a great game, I don't think it'll be against an Auburn defense. But this is Auburn's first road game, and it's a night game, so defense travels, Quinn. I'm thinking. I don't think if Mississippi State's having trouble scoring points, I don't think Auburn's a team you really want to go up against in that front because if it's mental, like Jonathan said, too, he's going to get hit a lot. And um, it could spell doom for Mississippi State. Auburn, a a three-and-a-half point favorite in Starkville Saturday night. So we'll see how it goes. It should be a low-scoring game. I don't know how this happened, guys, The Virginia Tech – Came back from their loss to Old Dominion and beat Duke. And, Quinn, that's the team that you have to deal with this week. Kind of, I know it scares you as a Notre Dame fan going to Blacksburg Saturday night against a team now that's kind of pissed off that they lost to Old Dominion and and embarrassed. Are, Are you worried about this one? Quinn, are you there? Quinn dropped off. My bad. I should have looked at the studio. But yeah, Jason, are you? If you're a Notre Dame fan, are you are you worried about this one? Because I circled this game. I think we could have an upset in this one.
3: Yeah, we we could definitely um have an upset. Virginia Tech um, played a lot better than the disaster or Old Dominion. For Notre Dame, coming off of that. Um, that um, rivalry went versus Stanford. Um, we're not yeah. talking about Oregon Stanford, but
2: yeah. Yeah, Johnson. I'm. I'm. I'm a Notre, I know you said Notre Dame looks the same. Do you still stand by that statement, or does Notre Dame surprise you a little bit?
0: No, Notre Dame looks a lot better. They got rid of. They. They, they took out the running back and put in a quarterback. I mean, you know, they've they looked the same. They don't anymore because they made a change for the better. It's, it's amazing what happens when a coach figures that out. Um, you know, and, and Ian Book has looked phenomenal. Um, you know, I mean, look, Virginia Tech had, had a very good win at Duke, uh, a big game uh, for the Coastal uh, race, and – their defense played a lot better. Granted, I mean, it was a battle. The backup uh, no, actually. Duke's starting quarterback did come back to that game. He looked a little rusty. coming back from his injury, pretty sure he had a broken collarbone. So I'm trying to figure out how he only missed like two weeks. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, traveling to Blacksburg at night is always tough, uh, you know, for, for anybody. Uh, it will be for Notre Dame coming off a big emotional win against Stanford. I mean, this was the part of the schedule where you looked at Notre Dame and said if they're going to take a loss, it's either Stanford or Virginia Tech because they're back-to-back. Uh, You know, and and Virginia Tech looks like a a good ball club. Uh, But I think Ian Book can take advantage of Virginia Tech's secondary, and that's still going to be Virginia Tech's issue. If all their problems weren't fixed overnight, they just got to play an opponent that weren't able to exploit them like Old Dominion was, uh, oddly enough. So it'll be interesting to see how Ian Book does uh, against uh, that Virginia Tech defense that doesn't have its best pass rusher, whose secondary is still not that good and an offense that with a backup quarterback still makes you wonder, you know, how good they really are.
2: Yeah, we're going to find out this weekend. Notre Dame, I think they're, they're a team. They have to go undefeated to get a playoff, being out of a conference, being, out of, being independent. They're not going to make it losing a game, I don't think, especially if they lose to unranked Virginia Tech, even though it's on the road uh still, That's a bad loss. If Virginia Tech had just beaten Old Dominion, we'd be looking at a possible top ten matchup here. But they didn't. Um, South Carolina-Kentucky, that was a, never a game from the start. Kentucky took it, ran with it up 24-3 to at halftime. Are you buying into the Kentucky hype, Jason? Kentucky right now 5-0. Uh, it's
3: it's hard for me not to a I want to see them at Missouri, a lot of the games have been at home and B I want to see them against Georgia before I drink the Wildcat Kool Aid.
2: Well, I think Kentucky's runs over Jonathan. I mean, I think A and M gets it done Saturday night in Texas A and M in College Station. I think Kentucky. How many of these big wins can you have? Before you have a letdown, I think this is coming on the road at A and M. What do you think, Jonathan?
0: Well it's funny because we keep talking about these big wins because it's Kentucky where it was I know. Florida. Like, like let's say it's Florida, just based off the name, if it had been Florida, been like, oh, Florida won a good game. Yeah, okay, there you go, George. And just you know, for for this a good Kentucky team, they're physical. Uh, they can they control both lines of scrimmage. Uh, you know, their issue is going to be, unfortunately, their quarterback is really not a quarterback. Uh, you know, he, he's a running back who occasionally tosses the ball around. Um, you know, I mean, it's amazing. Kentucky gets up 24-3 to 3 and it's like, okay, we're sitting. And it was a race of 24 the whole time. South Carolina, you already lost. I don't even know why you're competing anymore. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> I'm interested to see them at A&M this week. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, Mark Stoops was Jimbo's defensive coordinator from 2010 to 2012. Uh, there's still some coaches on the Kentucky staff who were on Jimbo's staff at, at Florida State. So it's going to be very interesting to see just the familiarity between uh, the staffs there, um, how this game's going to shape out. But, I mean, I'm I'm going to ride the Kentucky train until it, until it falls off the tracks. Go, Wildcats.
2: Yeah, I'm falling for them. I hope they win all their games. And us look, look, I'm just trying to – I think they'd probably be about a seven-point dog, maybe on the road. Let me look and see. They're a six and a half point underdog on the road to on the road to A&M. Six and a half. So they're just they're not giving any love, and that's dangerous when you're playing Kentucky. If you're you're disrespecting him like that, and now all of a sudden the chip gets bigger and bigger. If you're A&M, you want to be an underdog in that game. Now you got Kentucky coming in with a bigger chip on that shoulder. So we'll see. Next week's got some great games coming up. Before we talk about the Ohio State-Penn State game, too, um, Jason Oregon went on the road last night. I picked Cal to upset him in that game. Coming off that emotional loss to Stanford, I didn't know how Oregon would respond, but they responded very well. Uh, Cruz 28-10 to at halftime with a 42-24 win. I know you're happy right now. Tell us about that game, but tell us about – what you did during that Oregon game when you guys fumbled right there at the end of the game when you should have been taking a knee? Go back and tell us tell us your exact words. Well, the
3: the whole the whole Oregon Stanford game, I I've no issue. Um, Chris Ball was trying to, to get one more push down to um sort that one way. Um, if he takes a knee, he will pump the ball with ten seconds. Um, then that game you had a couple bad snaps, and you didn't want a Michigan-Michigan Michigan State punt to cost you the ball game. Okay. So. Um,
2: yeah, but do you so want to play odds Lord. like that, though? I mean, do you really want to? What's the odds of that happening compared to fumbling a football? That's that's what's scary.
3: Well, you. You've when, when you, when had
2: you don't a have a to Well.
3: You you would have pumped the ball because if you took a knee, you would have pumped the ball with ten seconds.
0: Mm, and then Dustin Herbert could have just started running backwards and and slid down each time a Stanford defender got near him, and they could have run that clock out. Or he yeah, could
2: have run, it, yeah, he it, could have it, taken off for a safety, couldn't he? He could have ran backwards and went all the way out of the back of the end zone and
0: played exactly. a game yeah, with him it, or something. It, it,
2: I, I it just hurts me. What, I'm not an Oregon fan what, like you uh, are, but it just to lose that game like that. I know you felt terrible, man. I know you did. Cause I felt bad for what, you. What
3: I what I felt after that game is, it sort of came down to that CJ Vado fumble. Um, we made mistakes in that third and fourth quarter to allow that game to come down to that. So. um it is what it is. But at Cal Oregon gets up um big at halftime and and it just cruises. Really really concerns me. Uh had a very good first drive of the second half. It was a three three play drive, touchdown. <laughs> so the the second half I'm not sure if it's just coaching trying to like milk a uh Twenty-four point lead or whatever, um, just to for the victory but Or oh, the players are just not bringing the same intensity that they played with the first half, the second half. And when um Travis died, fumbled it was thirty-five, um thirty-five twenty-four. I got worried, but Oregon got
2: a pick. So
3: yeah, it's a win. Week off. Cool. Uh, to play Washington.
2: You, know, you, to... you think you can beat Washington? No. Where's I'm, that game being played at?
3: Um, Oregon. I'm very happy it's at home.
2: Yeah, I know you've been picking against Washington every week. They they've been getting better and better. I know you you hate Washington though, so I I can't blame you for for picking against them o- Johnson Oregon. Can Oregon? Can, can Washington go into Oregon and win, or can Oregon can Oregon win at home? That's going to be a huge game in the Pac-12. Imagine Jonathan if Oregon was five and zero.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I had it, the Pac-12 North being a three. Well, in all reality, the Pac-12 being a three-team race between Washington, Oregon, and Stanford. Um, you know, with Oregon getting Stanford and Washington at home this year, figured, you know, they took pick off at least one of them. And, I mean, look, you should have beat Stanford. That might have been your magic bullet. Um, you know, Washington's a good ball club. Oregon's physical. They're fast. They can get after it. But it is concerning the way that they just stall out in the second half. Uh, but, I mean, Justin Herbert is the best quarterback in the country, not named Tua. And there's no doubt about that. He, he's an excellent quarterback. He's going to be the first quarterback taken In the upcoming NFL draft, he just drops dimes. Um, Yeah, I I mean it's just it's he's a constant highlight film. He makes perfect throws. He's gonna be uh, a legit prospect, uh, and you know I I foresee a very good career for him. You know, but it is. I mean, Oregon gets a nice little bye week before they get to host uh, host the hated Dogs, and you know it could be a Pac-12 eliminator game as far as the playoffs goes, considering how Stanford is kind of just sputtered here with their injuries. Um, and, and, you know, for, for you know, Washington losing to Auburn and, you know, for Oregon, the way they lost, I mean, they're going to have to win out uh, and even then probably get some help. But, I mean, this is this might be the best Oregon team we've seen, and that's saying something considering what they were under Chip Kelly. You
2: know, I wouldn't go that far, but, hey, you never know what can happen. But I'll agree with the quarterback, you. He's a special kid. I'll be watching that game. Do, do, do they know the time yet of that game, Jason? In two weeks? Washington no, and Oregon? Will that be a night no, game?
3: Um, I'll probably be a night game, but no time spinning out.
2: You, you need to buy me a ticket and take me to the game there, man.
3: I can't <laughs> even find myself a ticket.
2: There you can. You just go scout one. That's easy. All right. i will be my whole check. The uh, Penn State-Ohio State game, Franklin annoys me, guys. The coach at Penn State annoys me. He gets into it with a fan after the game. I mean, he just comes in the press conference saying, uh, he's tired of being a great program. It's time to be elite and all this stuff. I mean, look, you you screwed up, Franklin. You you call a draw play. You, you hand the ball off on fourth and five. Uh, Jonathan, I'm just confused of what they were trying to do. But I mean, does Franklin get on your nerves too, or is it just me? I just he looks like a little rat. Uh, it,
0: so I I understand what Franklin, I guess, is trying to do. He's trying to deflect away from Ricky Bronny, uh, who is, you know, the play caller and the offensive coordinator. I mean, you know, for all we know, Franklin had a hand in the play call, but he has a defensive coach, so I, you know, I, I imagine he didn't have too much to do with it. But uh, yeah, there, there was a case of somebody trying – I mean, so you had an offensive coordinator trying to outsmart a defense, and it, just, it drove me nuts because they came out in the same formation Ohio State scored the last touchdown on. Ohio State was aligned the same exact way Penn State was for that. Okay, what Ohio. You know, so what you have, and it looked like it was an RPO um, with either obviously the the handoff keep, or I think it was a bubble screen with the slot, which is what Ohio State scored on. Um, the issue was Ohio State ran a stunt it was perfect. Penn State couldn't block it, it got blown up. My main thing with that play is Ohio State has not been able to stop McSorley the whole game. They're not even attempting to spy him because Gianna lost his damn mind. Um, and, and you put the hand, you take the ball out of your best player's hand. And, and it drives me nuts. I mean, I it, it, oh, God, I had to, and it sucks. Cause I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm like, okay, here's the play I'd run. And they ran, they run that. And I'm like, that's, that's not even close. Like, what are we doing here? It's a very frustrating loss. Jeff Bowden looks at that play call and says, God, that's dumb. can Think about me saying that. Uh, you know, it's frustrating. Penn State lets Ohio State off the hook for the second year in a row, and, and at this point, Ohio State's got a pretty clear path path to the playoff, and it, it infuriates me because we're gonna have to keep hearing about Urban Meyer for the rest of the season because Penn State couldn't get the job done.
2: Yeah, and I'm I still think Ohio State gonna lose a game. I don't know where I'm gonna look at their schedule right now, but. team is they're not the, the same kind of caliber team to me as is, is what they used to be, really. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. they
0: going to win the game. They play,
2: I mean, there are only road games left at Purdue, at Michigan State, at Maryland. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Jonathan. I mean, I don't feel lost in that. Nebraska's terrible. Michigan's terrible. Um uh, God, Minnesota is not going to go into Ohio State. I think can't. Is it safe to say right now that Ohio State's going to make the playoff? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
2: Do
1: hey,
3: what do you hey, think, hey, Jason? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a clue, path.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just the Big Ten. But if they stumble, though, it's over. They're not going to make it. Yeah, but that's, that's terrible. Look at that schedule. I mean, my God. TCU, they, they showed they're not that good. Tulane, Rutgers, Oregon State, and they finally played a team and one by one on the road. Now they're, I mean, that's just not fair that you can play one game in a season and make the playoff. That's um, infuriates
0: me. I mean, it, it, it looks like that, and it's frustrating considering that, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Michigan State were all projected to be top 15 teams. And Michigan State and, Michigan have, and Wisconsin really haven't looked anything like it. Penn State gets their shot and fails. Um, you know, I mean, could Michigan turn it around and get it figured out by the end of the year? Sure. I mean, obviously Ohio State has weaknesses offensively. They they, they struggled offensively in all reality against TCU. Uh, you know, two defensive scores is what won that game. Uh, they struggled offensively last night until the fourth quarter, uh, in which Penn State, I mean, just pathetic attempts at tackling is what really turned the tide there. You know, uh, I mean, you know, Michigan has a great defense. They had the game plan last year. They shouldn't have the quarterback to execute it. So I mean I think you still have to watch that Michigan game. Michigan State seems to have their number, um, you know. And and I mean you're gonna have Wisconsin, the Big Ten title game, and who knows? Uh, you know, it, it just it's just disappointing that we're gonna, you know, that right now we're staring at a playoff of the same teams all over again. Oh look, Ohio State's in it. Oh look, Oklahoma's in it you know, look, Alabama's in it. Oh, look, Clemson's going to be in it. And you're like, okay, we've seen this song and dance, and it didn't work out well the first time. It's not going to work out well again. Can we? Let's scrap this. Okay, let's put UCF in there. Penn State wins. They're in there. Give me, like, Oregon, you know, something. Give me something. I mean, you know, and we all know yeah. at this point that Alabama-Georgia is probably the national championship game. So, I mean, I, I who's playing for second?
2: Yeah. That's a that's a good point. It is kinda of boring when it's like this. I mean I like I like some some fun. Let's let's open that playoff up a little bit. Sixteen teams, eight teams, whatever. Let's just have a chance for some of these guys that and I mean Clemson schedule nothing this year. Bama nothing. Ohio State nothing. Georgia nothing. So you think of those four teams right there, they don't even play up a schedule hardly at all. And that's what's going to be interesting to see. Notre Dame runs the table. Um, they get in. Ohio State runs the table and it's just interesting to see who the committee would leave out. Would they leave out a one-loss Georgia team if they lost to the Bama and the SEC championship game, both undefeated? That'd be a tough one, Jonathan. If you got teams like that, and all of a sudden you got Ohio State that beat nobody. And all of a sudden, are you going to let a one-loss Georgia team in? Are you going to let Ohio State in? That's just of course, they're going to let Ohio State in. That's what they'll do because they're Meyer. But I'd penalize them um, just for being in negative media there. But anyway, that's just me. I hate Ohio State. Uh, real quick, I need to die. You're breaking out. Right How
1: about
3: now?
1: Okay. Is
2: that better. Yes, it is. Right. Is that better? Okay, good. Yep. All right, NFL games, we there's not much drama really. Uh, New England took care of the Miami Dolphins, uh, the Texans over the Colts in overtime. There's a lot of overtime games, Jonathan, this year. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. right now we're in one with Oakland and Cleveland. What's, what's the deal? Why can't these teams finish in regulation?
0: I don't know, but it's kind of fun.
2: It is. I don't like the ten-minute overtime, though. I I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I maybe I do. But the Raiders are walking on right now to second and nine with a minute fifty-four left. I don't know what they're doing. I thought they were trying to kick a field goal or something. But Cleveland one-one and one. Just imagine if they miss this field goal right here and they tie, they'll be one-one and two. Uh, Cleveland's a lot better, a lot better with Baker Mayfield. Can we all agree with Baker Mayfield on the field, the Browns are a much better team? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All of a sudden they can't play defense for hell. They they give up 42 points to Oakland. It's about to be either 48 or um, 45 to lose. But I don't know. Cleveland – they're a lot better than they were last year, at least. But I just can't – I'm scratching my head wondering how they give up this many points. Um, Jason, your Dallas Cowboys pulled one out today over Detroit, 26-24. Are you a believer in Dallas right now, or, or are you a believer that they're going to not make the playoffs? Which one? Um, I, I'm a
3: believer in the Cowboys if they're playing at home, but sadly they have to go on the road. Um yeah, it's going to be an up-and-down season for the rest of the season for the Cowboys.
2: Hey, Jonathan, with, uh, with the uh, – shit, I just lost my train of thought right here. Oh, the Falcons, one and three now. I mean, this team is putting up crazy numbers on offense. You got Calvin Ridley from Alabama, Julio from Alabama, Matt Ryan throwing it everywhere. Why can't this defense stop anyone in the second half? I mean, it's just like they've given away three games, really, because of their defense. Is Atlanta in too big of a hole to come back and win that division now, or what do you think of Atlanta?
0: Well, and that was a heartbreaking way to lose today, and you saw an inexperienced corner do something really dumb. I mean, I, I, it was amazing just flipping around, watching different parts of games today, going, wait, that guy gets paid to play football. And it's sad that I have to that I said that multiple times today, but I did. Um, look, Atlanta lost Keanu Neal. they lost Dion Jones, and those two guys. I mean, you you have your your quarterback of the defense in Jones and Jones, and and really the the protector of your of your back uh, your back end and Neal. So they're they're gonna struggle. Um, you know, you, you can't lose your two best defensive players and and expect to keep succeeding. But this is this is bad. Uh, the, Giants, the Falcons are the first team since the 1966 Giants, and that's if I heard this correctly, to have lost a game back-to-back weeks with the offense scoring at least 36 points in both games. And that's just mind-numbing wow. the offense is doing their job. 36 today, 38 last week, and they're losing. I mean, last week they lost because Drew Brees ran for, a tu- you know, uh, ran for two touchdowns. One of them, uh-huh. he bounced off two linebackers. Like, that makes no sense. Hey, so this defense is in shambles, and they've got to try and figure something out because they, I mean it's it's pitiful to watch.
2: I know it. Tampa Bay today, Winston came back. Uh, he came back in to relieve uh, Fitzmagic. I think the magic has run out, Jonathan, with Tampa with this run forty-eight to ten in Chicago. Is Jameis going to be the quarterback going forward, or do you think Fitzmagic yeah. will be back?
0: I. I, I... Jameis got in the second half that leads me to believe And we have a bye week this week It leads me to believe Jameis will start uh, From here on out uh, And it was funny because Jameis comes in And immediately throws five straight passes To Adam Humphreys And his only touchdown pass was to Cameron Bray So like Deshaun Jackson And you know Chris Godwin uh, Are going to be you know irrelevant again uh, For some reason Jameis likes Thrown it to Adam and Cameron, which uh, I don't mind. They're both good ball players, but it, it, it's funny to watch. <laughs> um, you know, but hey, look, what do you know? The Bucks drafted a sense of tackle who was barely on the field today in the first round, and set up a, a defensive back. And huh? Mitchell Trubisky threw for how many touchdowns in the first half? Five. Like <laughs> I can't even yeah, explain yeah. to you the level of frustration. I have with the front off. Look, I like the Carlton Davis pick. Carlton Davis good ball player. He wouldn't be starting, but for this team to swing and miss the way they have in the draft recently, Vernon Hargraves, terrible pick. Uh, OJ Howard was a terrible pick considering that we don't need him. That's um, a luxury pick you take if you're the Patriots, not if you're the Bucks. Uh, v- Vita Vay was a dumb pick because you spent all that money in free agency on defensive linemen. And you decide, hey, let's add another one to the pile. Instead of somebody in the secondary. I mean, this is oh god, this is frustrating. I I watched the the Bears went up fourteen nothing, and I turned the game off. And then I went and got a haircut at Sports <laughs> Clips and saw like the first two drives just because the TV was in front of me. I, I I'm back to not watching the Bucks again.
2: Well, Jason, looking at the uh, Tennessee Titans, man, they they're just. Going along, winning games, I can't they actually beat the Eagles, but I don't know why I did that. 26-23, uh, they beat the Eagles, man. But I like the way the aggressiveness of Tennessee there trying to go into overtime. Or was that game was in overtime? Did that game go into over? uh, overtime?
0: It? Yeah, it went to overtime. Yeah.
2: Yeah, They were they were in a position to – Kick a field goal or whatever, but he went for the touchdown and got it, and uh, the Titans win. How impressed are you with the Titans? I don't, I don't think this magic will keep going, but it's, it's a good story while it's going on right now.
3: Yeah, I, I like Mariota. He, he got the job done, 300 yards passing. Um, it doesn't look like the prettiest thing, but hey, he got it done. today against the champs.
2: Yeah, well, it's just been a, a crazy year of football already, and you still don't know what these teams are yet. There's still a lot of football to be played. Uh, Jags took care of the Jets, thirty-one to twelve. Green Bay, twenty-two to nothing. A Buffalo. We had some exciting games as well, but overall, not too many surprises today. Except how many games went into overtime? Johnson was it about five or something. Seemed like that. Uh,
0: I I can think of. Three off the top of my head. I mean, there was sure. what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight one possession games this week, and there's 14, uh, 15 games. I mean, it's wow. it, it, I mean it, it's fun. It, it it really is. I mean the the Rams Vikings game was an amazing game. That that was that was an awesome shootout. Oh, you know, man. Dallas. That was
2: beautiful. Oh, yeah.
0: Who didn't love watching that game? I mean, who didn't? That game the watch Jared Goff alone uh, was special, right? I mean, and then, you know, uh, Dallas winning at the Bell and Tennessee pulling it out in overtime, Houston, Cincinnati at the Bell, uh, you know, Seattle, Arizona just kind of punt, punted the ball back and forth until somebody eventually had to score. And even the Niners after losing Garoppolo – a good a good performance this week. Tough loss at, uh, at the Chargers, but I mean, you know, and obviously Cleveland losing it overtime. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it there were there were a lot of fun games, and then you know there were some duds like the Bucks and the Jets and and the Bills and the Dolphins. Who I think, outside of maybe the Bucks game, we all kind of expected a dud. Um, but I, the NFL, it, it's got some sort of recipe working, and it keeps it keeps it, it yeah. keeps us watching.
2: Thank God for that Red Zone channel. You don't miss much. It was busy today. All the points being scored. Tonight's game, it's already started.
1: Pittsburgh
2: versus Baltimore. I think it started off. It's supposed to start at
0: 820. I don't think
2: Baltimore is going to get it done.
0: I mean Pittsburgh gets up for these games. Um, kind of like how you knew the Bucks weren't going to win the Monday night game last week, no matter what, because under Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh's like 17 and two on Monday night. I for some reason they show up for the primetime games like this. Um, you know, but I, this that's a great rivalry in, in, in the NFL. They they really punch it back and forth. Uh, you, know, you get some real good games, some hard hits. I, I, you know, personally, I think this is the best rivalry in the NFL right now, and it's it's really fun to watch.
2: This my fantasy team was in trouble Thursday night. The guy had Jared Goff on his team last run where he ran into the market, he just kept going up the field so forty two 42 points. points. So had <laughs> a and that They kind of killed the dude, but I'm going to break 200 points, it looks like. I mean, I'm on one.
0: Yeah, so. This week, Wednesday
1: night,
0: maybe. What's up? You were breaking up. Sure You like it I'm good
2: So we're
0: good to
3: go Alright
0: guys Take care
2: Make sure you listen to the show and the podcast on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, maybe 7.30. I'll let you know. Take care. Bye, Brian. Sounds good, Bob.
0: Sounds
2: good. With Lucky
3: Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.